Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Let's begin today's program with a question. What's the dumbest thing we do in America? Now, before you answer vote for a Democrat or vote for a Republican, let me assure you the answer has nothing to do with politics give up? Well, my first guest today, Neil Prevost, informs us it's getting divorced. Perhaps more surprising, Neil is an attorney who has handled more than a thousand family law cases over the past 20 years. Perhaps you just found out that your spouse has been cheating on you, or maybe both of you have remained faithful. It's just that over the years, you've simply grown apart. And before you run out and uh, hire a divorce attorney, if you haven't already, Neil Prevost is here to uh, warn you about the real cost of divorce and explain why divorce is not necessarily your only option or even your best option. And Neil Prevost is a founding partner of Prevost, Schaff, Marson, uh, Mason and Carnes, PLLC in Plano, Texas. And as you know, that's a suburb of Dallas. He's a trial attorney, mediator, author, speaker, and marriage advocate. And as Neil reveals, he's seen the ugliest of what two people once madly in love can do to each other. And he's author of an upcoming book due out in June that Neil describes as a divorce attorney's guide to staying married. And hello, Neil Prevost. It's great to have you here in spring, the season of love. Perhaps we can restore some lost love before it's too late. That would be fantastic. Thank you for having me. Well, as an initial question, as a marriage advocate, aren't you concerned that ultimately you will put uh, yourself and your fellow divorce attorneys out of business? Oh, you know what? That would be so awesome if that was even possible. But, uh, you know, I I just don't think that's probably going to happen. Not in my lifetime. I would (laughs) would certainly like to. uh, Maybe a generation from now it might be true. But but unfortunately, I'm 58 uh, and it's just not going to happen before the end of my career, I'm sure. No, I'm sure it isn't. Well, I, I'm certain you'd agree that certain marriages, especially where there's spousal physical abuse, divorce is the only wise option. But in most cases, you describe divorce as the dumbest thing we do in America. And if a marriage no longer is working for one or both, both spouses, uh, what's the harm in splitting up and making a fresh start, especially if your kids are grown or, or nearly grown? Well, that, that's interesting. You should uh, talk about the kids. I would, you know, if there are no kids, I would probably not be as adamant as I I am, or not yeah. probably. I wouldn't be. Uh, when there are children, believe it or not, the studies, they used to say people – uh, you know, they stay together for the kids. And what's happened is the research has now all come in, and the very worst time a couple can get a divorce is their child's freshman year in college. Oh, I'll be darned. As the most damaging effect, because that huh. child, 
has moved out of the house. They're trying to figure out who they are, yeah. where they're going in their lives, and, and, and then to find out that or, you know, to believe then that their whole raising has been a lie. Yeah. It's terribly uh, traumatic for a 19-year-old, well, believe be it or not. So the dark. older, just because you're older, doesn't yeah. mean that it's not going to have a really negative impact on you. Well, we all know that divorce can be very costly financially for the primary family breadwinner, alimony, child support, and division of property. Uh, but you tell us that uh, rough finances are not the only cost. Please tell us about what you label the real cost of divorce, not just for the breadwinner, but for the entire family. Well, I, I, I can put it in two. I can put it in really in two categories. In the financial, I, I will reiterate to you what I uh, said at the XO conference recently, and that is that the average divorce is really going to cost your children's family roughly a hundred thousand dollars. Oh, wow. And the point of that is, is that the first thing you need when you get a divorce is a second home. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And if you think about it, that's not even the attorney's fees. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if the average apartment costs $2,000 with all the utilities and all of that, the yeah. statistics are that the average divorced person will stay single for roughly four years. So that's 48 oh, months. Yeah. Times two thousand a month is ninety six thousand yeah, dollars. Add to that the four thousand they paid me to get a divorce. Yeah. There's a hundred thousand yeah. dollars that your children's family yeah. can't use for vacation experience. You can't use it for retirement or anything else. The yeah. single ben- biggest beneficiaries of divorce are landlords. Yeah, and people sure. don't even think that through, but they are. That's a good point. Well, as an advocate for uh, marriage, you contend that in most cases it's not true that divorce is the only option. And you've handled more than a 1,000 family law cases. Can you cite for us a few options that have worked well for couples considering a split that uh, then reconciled? What what are some of the options? Well, the the solution that I have, I have found that is, I think, just better than anything else is called what we're, I would call it a marriage mediation. Oh. It's not counseling. It's where uh, a couple gets together with someone who's qualified to, uh, to do this. And I've experienced in litigation, mediation is successful at something like 85 to 90% of the time huh. in resolving uh, the case, the conflict. Huh. What I well, how is that was, different from counseling, that mediation? Oh, it's a lot, way, way, way different. I don't care how your mother dressed you or what your problems were growing up in a mediation. <laughs> All we're trying to do is get to a point where we can resolve the, the immediate conflict. Oh, yeah. And so if you go in with a mediator and you lay out your four biggest problems in your in your marriage and – we fix those four problems. Guess what you don't need? <laughs> you don't need a divorce, right? Yeah. We just fixed your biggest four problems. Now, so you may need to go to counseling later to kind of figure out how you got there. Yeah. But our, our marriage mediators also teach the the dispute resolution skills that we learn as mediators. We then teach this to the couple so that in oh. the future when they have conflict, they're able to resolve it in a healthier 
way. Yeah, and what so a wonderful solution that is, do. if we could only all resolve our inner uh, family disputes that way through mediation. It would oh, be a whole lot, a lot better, I promise you. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And Frequently. it's amazing. We've had tremendous success. The uh, uh, It's about 85% of the time we can yeah. stop the divorce from, from happening. It's crazy, but it works. Well, over the past 20 years, I'm certain you've observed common patterns that lead to divorce. Can you please identify for us a few of these patterns and, more importantly, how to stop them in our marriages before it's too late? Certainly, certainly. I think uh, I do in my book. I identify six distinct patterns of of cases. I tell people I've seen the same six divorces 100 times each. (laughs) Because they because they they tend to repeat themselves, yeah. and one is I'll tell you one is is where I, I say where the couple never really got married, and <laughs> what I mean by that is where one or the other um, has their mother, their friends, their peer group, <laughs> or someone else other than their spouse as really their go to person, yeah. and they they never really really give themselves to the relationship. And so you've heard the old phrase, cutting the apron strings. Yeah. Um, And that is a huge uh, red flag. If you as a couple have never mingled your finances, you've kept it all separate, uh, there's a a me-ism in that. It's not a we-ism. And uh, that's one of the things that I have seen a lot. Another one is when a couple doesn't mind cursing at one another, you know, calling each other names, that that kind of, of devaluing and, uh, uh, you know, that kind of language towards one another, it is devastating in its effect. And once you say those words, you can just never get them back. Yeah, that's and so, so true. It's yeah. very difficult. You know, and you've always seen a couple that doesn't mind fighting in front of everybody at dinner. Yeah, I've seen a few of those. <laughs> You know that couple. Yeah. I've seen that. I've seen that couple of uh, a lot. Um, yeah, unfortunately, can look in the mirror once in a while and see that couple or half of oh, that couple. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. There, but for the grace of God, go I. So yes, it's it's. I, I understand that. And then I think there's a couple of other really common situations, and one is where a man, the the husband, fails to recognize and understand that he needs to provide for and take care of his wife's need for emotional support. Yeah. Um, you know, guys going to do the wife. The guy listens for a minute and says, oh, that's easy. Just do this, this, and this. He tries to fix it. Yeah. And she didn't really want to fix it. She just wanted somebody to listen to her. And yeah. so eventually she finds some coworker or friend that they go to lunch, and they listen politely to all of her problems and just empathize with her. And the next thing you know, she's identifying with that guy more than more than her husband. Yeah. The flip side of that is where women forget and fail to understand that they've got to they've got to take care of a man's need for physical affirmation. Yeah. I don't care how big his beer belly is. Every now and then you got to say, "Hey, stud, man, you look just as good as you did in high school," right? <laughs> And, and you know, when a when a wife feels like she's nothing more than a maid and a and a, a, a taxi service, 
uh, it's very difficult for her to feel a lot of passion and for, for her husband. And conversely, when a husband feels like he is only uh, a paycheck and an end to a means and there's nothing left at the end of the day for him after PTA and, uh, and all of that, then, uh, you know, it's kind of hard for him to feel real passionate. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the biggest complications and tragic consequences of divorce is impact on the children. Uh, from your perspective, how uh, best should we as parents discuss a pending divorce with our kids? Does it really help that much if the couple agrees to divorce as friends with shared custody? Oh, my gosh. It makes all the difference in the world. It, oh, it still will have a negative impact, but yeah. the reality is, the divorce is the most important act of co-parenting. If they're going to do it, it's the most important act of co-parenting they will ever experience. Oh, I see. And the kids need to be affirmed that it's not their fault. They have nothing to do with it. They are loved. This is between the parents and that they are still going to have two parents that love them and are going to support them. And um, it, it's it's crucial for those children, yeah. for the parents to try to do that, and they, and they got to put aside their bitterness. Yeah, that's so tough to do if you've gone, just gone through a bitter divorce. Yeah. But, uh, it's so essential. Well, in addition to your uh, career as a trial attorney, you're also a speaker and a uh, facilitator of workshops. Are you available outside the immediate Dallas Fort Worth area, or uh, uh, what? Oh, the best? sure. Sure, you have, audience, you have audience. You have audience. travel. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Prevo, N E A L P R E V O S T. dot com. You have an upcoming have, book scheduled for release in, I think, June first. Uh, uh, how can people uh, keep in track? And uh, do you have a title for the book yet? Or uh, well, I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's still going to be Divorce Lawyer's Guide to Staying Married. Oh. I but the, the on my website, there's a they can subscribe and reserve a copy, or or they don't have to pay anything or anything. Just let me have your email address, and then upon um, uh, publication, we'll then send an email out to everybody where they can get it. It's going to be at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I've been working with Steve Harrison, who published uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad and uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul. Oh. So I think we're going to have pretty wide distribution. Yeah, that sounds great. Boy, that's a book I'm certain a lot of our listeners would get a hold of. In conclusion, sad to say almost one out of every two marriages in America ends up in divorce. In our throwaway society, it seems like far too many of us are simply giving up and throwing in the towel. But the problem, unlike the old car, when you're dealing with a human being, the person that you promise to be a life partner with for for the rest of your life, you can't just discard the old for the new. And uh, I love this quote from uh, Neil Prevost's website that rings so true. 
You say, when I began my practice, I thought I actually could win your divorce. In reality, all I ever did was to manage how bad your loss was going to be. And divorce is never win-win. It is always lose-lose. And perhaps saddest of all, inspired by anger, hurt, and a desire to get even, divorce can implant bitterness in your heart that can fester for years and, worse yet, wreak havoc on innocent children and other uh, members of your family. And how in the world will that be good for you or (laughs) benefit you or anyone else? And uh, when an experienced family attorney, Neil Prevost, warns you to slow down, consider the underlying causes, the dire consequences, and consider mediation or other alternatives to divorce, it makes sense to listen. And I highly recommend that you follow Neil on his website, neilprevost.com, and also be sure to uh, preview and purchase it, your, it, the book as soon as it becomes available in June. And thanks so much, Neil, for joining us here today and for that sound advice. Thank you very, very much. It was really my pleasure. And best of success with your new book once it's released. And uh, let's all keep the marriage fires going so we don't have this tragic uh, event that's so common in America. Welcome, one and all, to our weekly half hour of midlife motivation and problem solving. Today we're going to focus on those of you with an offspring presently in their late teens or early 20s, either now or very soon to be young adults, and it's hard to believe, but by some accounts, in America, 40% of young adults now live at home with their parents. Now, that may be fine in your household. It certainly makes sense if your son or daughter uh, lives at home while completing education at a local college or trade school. But how about those high school or college graduates, or worse yet, education dropouts, who are hanging around the family home long after they have completed or discontinued their education, maybe pursuing a dead-end or nothing job, or maybe no job at all, and young adults at home mean the average family nest is staying fuller longer, just at the point when the two of you, mom and dad, had anticipated at long last you would have the house all to yourself and robbing you of the quiet peace of mind and uninterrupted opportunity to pursue new adventures as empty nesters. And needless to say, the presence of uninspired, unmotivated young adults hanging around home isn't necessarily a good thing. And it's even worse if your adult son or daughter has no realistic positive plan for the future, uh, refuses uh, to help out with expenses, and uh, maybe is behaving badly, heavy drinking, drug addiction, unprotected sex, perhaps even even getting in trouble with the law. And uh, so what options do we have as grown-ups? With a son, uh, with a grown-up son and daughter, who uh, has no intention of moving forward, you still love your adult children and certainly don't want to evict them and send them out into the street. But at this point in life, you certainly aren't likely to. Uh, they aren't likely to turn to mom or dad for advice or to pay attention, even if advice is offered. And today's guest, Dr. Kevin Paul, is here to help. How best can we accommodate our fully grown live-in son or daughter? without intergenerational warfare, and can we inspire our adult children to move out to play uh, to a place of their own without creating schism that could last for years? And he's also here to address a broader issue. Regardless of place of domicile, are you worried about your late teen or young adult's behavior, 
thought process, uh, lack of ambition, or perhaps even his or her mental health. And as concerned parents, how do we motivate our uninspired, messed up, late teen or young adult to give up those destructive habits and make a new start? And Kevin Fall, Ph.D., is an award-winning speaker, author, psychologist, and a leading expert on human connectedness. He switched gears midstream, formerly an IT consultant. He received his Ph.D. from the University of Iowa, and our son graduated from that. Go Hawks! And today he specializes in helping parents and their teenagers and young adults overcome barriers that prevent true connection. And uh, Dr. Fall has been here and done that. As a divorced father, his deeply troubled 20-year-old son moved in, and together father and son turned his uh, Austin's life around. And they are co-authors of the 2017 Amazon bestseller, How to Get Your Son Back, Seven Steps to Reconnect and Repair Your Relationship. And hello, Dr. Kevin. It's indeed an honor to have you with us here today. Well, likewise, Roy. Thanks for having me on. Boy, did you did you give us a a lot of work to do today? <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Well, let's begin. <laughs> let's begin with a loaded question. How can sure. you, as a stressed out parent, survive an uncooperative, uh, live-in grown son or daughter uh, without constant screaming and battle royal? Perhaps an emotional breakdown on your part. Is it possible to hammer out and agree upon a realistic? Uh, cohabitation rules that give both parents and uh, their offspring space, harmony, privacy, and uh, sharing of responsibility for residential chores. <laughs> can, it, can you work that out, or is, is that uh, just a distant dream? <laughs> you know that's a that is a, a perfect setup, and and that's why that's why we really wrote the book, How to Get Your Son Back, and, and we've also yeah. created um, the Transformation Project. It's it's a consulting services for parents yeah. who find themselves in these situations, and the answer is yes. There is absolutely a way to turn this around, not only to get the son. To, or a child to take responsibility, but to do so in a way that really enhances a relationship. Because yeah. if you look at this situ, if you look at this situation, um, there's a 2014 uh, Pew survey, and what do parents want for their kids? They want them to be responsible. They want them to be hardworking, and uh, they want them to be independent. But here we are in a situation where we've achieved none of that, yeah. and. And so absolutely there's a way to to change this around. Uh, parents might not like the answer to this, though. You're never going to get your kid to change, no matter what you say or do or threaten. I think you How point out somewhere that you used to lecture your son, and oh. that wasn't really working, even though you've uh, spent a lot of time working on those lectures. But once you started relating to him as a, you know, a partner or maybe a teammate, it seemed to work a lot better. Oh my gosh, yes! Um, you know, I was a I was a coach on the on the sideline with a, a clipboard, yelling at my uh, uh, my player to to call the right plays and to execute. It wasn't until I laid down the clipboard and actually stepped into the game of life with him that we really started making progress. And if I can just give a quick example of that, yeah, sure. When my son uh, moved in with me in Iowa. You know, he he completely uprooted his uh, had uh, his um, his uh, 
life. He was a high school dropout living in a Big Ten college town. He was scared to death. He wasn't leaving the apartment. And I I sit down with him one day and I go, you know, you and I are in very similar situation. I've walked away from my my uh, IT uh, consulting job to get my PhD in psychology. And Austin, I don't know if it's going to work or not. I'm some days I'm scared to death. And so we dealt with that dynamic. I was a player in the game with him. And when you change that dynamic, everything starts to change. Yeah, you weren't you weren't someone with all the answers. You were searching for answers yourself in your own career and and you could work together uh, to both find answers. That's that's great. Exactly. Um, and that's you talked about my lecturing. Oh, Roy, I was the best lecturer. I knew if I just said <laughs> things the right way that I could get him to understand. And it never worked. And Nobody uh, sounds better to your own ears than to your son <laughs> or daughter's ears. <laughs> yes. I certainly experienced that. And your point is perfect. Um, me as a lecturer gave my son the message that I had it all figured out. And this was a shift in that we're doing this hard thing called life together. Yeah. And that's what parents can do with their adult kids is, you know, it requires some boundary setting and, and you may get some negative reaction, but isn't that what healthy relationships are all about, being able to be authentic with each other and speak yeah. the truth? Well, I know you, you uh, probably as a parent, you need to lay down some firm rules for your young adult border to uh, follow as a condition to remain in your house. I mean, there's got to be boundaries. But uh, does this authoritarian approach, uh, approach work? I guess if it's reasonable and, uh, and they agree to it in advance, uh, it should be able to work. Yeah, the authoritarian approach, I think, uh, almost, um, I, I don't think it ever, ever works. Um, I really emphasize in my work with parents is this idea of a pivot conversation. Oh, I see. It's a a set down where the parent can own their – when I sit down with my sons, I I own my part of the bad parenting, and I even apologized. But I also created new ground rules. Uh, Even at a young age, I said, you're now adults. And you get to make your own decision, but you're also responsible for those decisions. Yeah. And uh, instead of having a a long list of rules, uh, it allows you to set expectations. And um, not only – excuse me, let me back up. It allows you to reboot the relationship and uh, create a new foundation which you can develop trust. And uh, it allows you to set expectations and boundaries that you can enforce. Well, that's an inspiration to other parents. Let's talk about your personal experience with your 20-year-old son, Austin. And, of course, you wrote a whole book about it, uh, which we'll talk about later. But uh, before becoming a psychologist, you describe yourself as a desperate father, watching my own son's life spiral out of control, watching him uh, charge down a course of certain self-destruction. Subsequently, with your help and guidance, Austin uh, went from a high school dropout and a suicidal teen to what he is today, a college graduate, loving dad, and thriving professional with a clean record. How the heck did you do it? And what inspired Austin to turn his life around? First of all, why did he come to you in uh, Iowa in the first place? What, um, did he, what inspired him to make that change? Um, thankfully, one of the things I did well amongst my many, many mistakes is 
I created a, a relationship with him where he could come to me and trust me. Well, I wasn't going to I wasn't going to judge him. He would look he was the kind of kid who would look me in the eye and and uh, own up to what he did as well. But before he decided to commit suicide, he said my picture uh, a picture of my face and his mom's face uh, appeared before him and and he decided to make a call. And uh, this was a period of 5 years that uh, we ended up turning his life around. Austin was a hardcore case. He yeah, it's not something up. you do overnight, obviously. No, <laughs> you're no, and I think sometimes parents expect kids to snap into place, and it doesn't happen. No. I mean, some of the big corners we turned is how do you how do you inspire a drop high school dropout who's never studied a day in his life yeah. to enroll in at the University of Iowa, yeah. and um, to hear Austin talk, it was the leadership. Once I reset the uh, the relationship, I started leading by example and things like you know there were times where i was burnt out and i'd go see a therapist uh there were he saw my work ethic where i was just um almost to, to an unhealthy level i was working uh when he went out at night and when he came i'd still be working when he came in that morning <laughs> and so yeah. you know, he he saw the example i was uh, leading with my school work the two jobs i was working and i was also volunteering with the homeless and and it, he said, with this conversation that we had over the five years, he said, I started looking at my life and saying, I'm just flushing my life down the toilet. I want something that, I want some meaning in my life. And without the example I provided for him, where else are kids going to be able to make that paradigm shift in their head that I've got to change the way I'm doing things? Yeah. So as parents, we have a tremendous Exam, uh, opportunity in front of us, even for our grown children, to to change our lives and be an inspiration for that our kids. That certainly doesn't work if you say, don't do as I do, do as I say. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, yeah. And and as parents in this country, we we pack our schedule clear full so we can we we're barely surviving our own schedule and yeah. and then this knucklehead psychologist suggests that we do things differently to connect with our kids. But in doing so, I mean it's a win-win not only for our kids but for us as well as we develop this really deep connected relationship with our children. Yeah. Well, you had mentioned before your transformation project, the consulting, the comprehensive and research-based solution you designed for parents. We don't have a lot of time remaining, but can you briefly describe the three phases of transformation? I think they make a lot of sense. Uh, you go about it in stages or phases. Yes. The first is developing a, a, founda a relational foundation. And, you know, if you're a parent listening to this program, when is the last time you and your son or daughter had an authentic heart-to-heart -heart, vulnerable talk with each other? Yeah. If it's been a while, that is where you want to go because that's where we know from science that that is where life is best lived is through those deep, meaningful relationships. Yeah, you've and got so, to connect before you can really oh, yeah. change opinions. Ab absolutely, and and those opinions change through through dialogue and and not being right all the time and and reserving the right to um, 
to to be wrong and yeah. and uh so developing that relationship of trust and you know that that involves some boundaries sometimes and but I find that the boundaries you know we really need to be careful what bow, what hill we're willing to die on there are some <laughs> worth dying on and there are many that we fight that probably aren't so wise well, that's for sure especially when we're uh, trying to defend our self-esteem by having our uh, offspring behave in a certain way, <laughs> which is such a pointless thing to do. But uh, <laughs> Roy, how many times does that happen? I see, I see these parents get into it with the kid, and it's not about the kid at all. It's about the, the parents and how they feel about themselves. Yeah, you, you embarrass me in front of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what's phase two then? Once we connect and reestablish communication and rebuild the trust, what's what's the second phase? The, the second phase is about the healing. Um, oh. As as humans, and I'm I'm talking probably more to the parents than I am the children. I had more he, as much or more healing to do in my own life than huh. Austin did in his. And thankfully, I started it uh, years before I went to school and he joined me. But by Embarking on our own healing journey and being vulnerable um, and being authentic about the problems we have. We Admitting say, we need healing ourselves. <laughs> exactly. so many people fail to do. <laughs> You're exactly right, Roy. And when we start engaging in that, um, we pass on our values to our kids. And I'll tell you, the kids today aren't going to buy our do as I say, not as I do. As no, we were talking they about. Don't. What they will buy in on they will buy 100% into a parent's authenticity. Yeah. And so we lead them through the healing process, and, and that includes not just going to a psychologist. That means um, uh, maintaining the healing. And if I, if I can just press pause for just a second, that's one of the things we do in the Transformation Project. It's not about outsourcing our children's healing to a therapist. There is so much a parent can do to help their children heal. And, and yet sometimes you need to refer them and, uh, lovingly for help that you aren't able to provide, I presume. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, we, as a psychologist, I try to help parents differentiate between the two. And that saves so much money and time. Yeah. But, but then the fun part starts. That's uh, stage three. It's helping your child excel. Yeah. And, you know, Roy, I was drinking coffee with my son this morning. And when he first came to Iowa to live with me, I could just see this dejected uh, self-hatred. Uh, he was so disappointed in himself, yet he had to defend who he was. And this morning I was talking to him and as he, as he found his purpose, and he's so excited about the work we're doing together. He talks about how he's getting his confidence internally yeah. as opposed to how he used to get it from the outside. The outside you know, just people. going to your website you, and looking at his picture and uh, reading of, of what happened, you just get that feeling that he's really uh, confident in where he's going. And uh, it's just it's wonderful, the transformation that uh, you can observe just from the website. Thank you. Um, but yeah, that's what we want parents to do. Is is this isn't about just fixing your kid. This is about helping your kid become their absolute best. And um, there again lies a challenge for us, uh, for us parents. We want our kids to be uh, responsible, and that means living up to your potential. But only 28% of adults in this country 
believe they're living up to their potential. Yeah, isn't that sad? And so few of them even like the job they're pursuing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 68% of us don't like our, what we're doing. <laughs> I didn't used to, but I do now. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, you're, let's talk a bit about your best-selling book, How to Get Your Son Back. Uh, you present seven steps to uh, reconnect and repair your relationship, and I think it's great. And uh, We don't need to go through those, but uh, they can review that on the preview it on the website and uh, just give us a couple of the early steps just to get started. I, it's somewhat the same as the phases, but uh, I know your first one is to stop fighting. <laughs> yes, to stop fighting. Um, I, one of the biggest shifts we can help parents make is understand why their children are behaving the way they are. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head with the parent is they get into these arguments because of their own self-esteem and what it makes them look like or what it makes them feel like. Uh, you're talking about uh, mid midlife adults. We're yeah. at a stage where we're wanting to contribute to the society. We're wanting yeah. to, what is what is my mark in life going to be? And when I have these kids at home who aren't doing anything and show no uh, promise for their own future, it's I'm even. Say, oh my God, I'm a failure as a parent. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And so, and so we help the parents change their perspective to understand what the child is going through. What, what yeah, the role... to address the underlying causes rather than just the symptoms. Exactly. <laughs> and by doing that, we really see part of our own story, and it really helps us empathize. And when we start empathizing with our kids, the dynamics of the relationship change without us saying a word. And so... That's the first step, and um, I, I kind of briefly touched uh, touched on the other steps. One of my yeah. favorite is leading by example. Yeah. Um, parenting is a full contact sport now. We can no longer uh, raise our kids in this time, and this uh, with this technology. We cannot raise our kids by managing by ex- yeah. when we manage by exception. We have to be emotionally engaged with our kids. All the time. That does not mean helicopter. That means being able to have difficult conversations with our kids and lead them. Well, before I let you go, we don't have a lot of time left, but I noticed you uh, you raised uh, helped raise Austin as a divorced dad. And uh, yeah. our first guest today talked about divorces. And uh, from afar, how are you uh, continually uh, able to be aware of uh, what was going on in Austin's life and? Uh, uh, can a, uh, how does a divorced father stay in touch, especially when uh, you're living far away like you were? And uh, how how do you go about uh, maintaining that relationship when you're doing it from afar? Oh, that's a great question. And uh, I was living in uh, the D.C. area at the time, and my sons lived uh, in the Kansas City area, so hmm. they would fly out during the summer. And yeah. Maybe. Uh, me being super dad, I would try to pack 12 months of parenting into two months. Pretty tough to do. (laughs) It it is tough to do. But I I think one of of the pieces of encouragement I have for for dads and moms who are only part-time custodial parents is this quality of time you spend with your kids, this ability to connect at the heart level, to develop the trust, develop uh, a relationship, to develop fond memories, to let your kid know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're 
you care for them, love them, and are there for them. Therein lies a certain advantage for a non-custodial parent to really make a mark on their kids. That's so true. And it's not it's it's not about the summer months. It's not about the holidays. It's a marathon. And I made a shift, and I started telling myself, I'm not raising a 13-year-old. I'm raising a healthy (laughs) 35-year-old. That's a good way to put it. And for God's sake, don't sit around and badmouth your ex uh, to your son or daughter. That's the most destructive thing anyone can do. It's absolutely the most destructive thing you can do. And, you know, quite frankly, Roy, I was guilty of that in my early years. And and thankfully, I, um, I woke up. But you're absolutely correct. Well, let's talk a bit about your best-selling book, How to Get Your Son Back, Seven Steps to uh, Reconnect and Repair Your Relationship. Is this book written strictly for fathers with male sons, or how about fathers with daughters, or how about moms with either sons or daughters? Should they read the book also? Or, uh... Well, we we designed it for parents, and knowing full well that it's going to be mom who picks it up nine times out of ten. Yeah. But, we're getting a lot of positive feedback from dads who who are saying, you know, it gives us a different way to approach our kids, one that I hadn't thought of. And, you know, I'm a psychologist, and many psychologists. Let's let's face it, Roy. Psychologists are weird in general. And, <laughs> Glad you said it, and not me. <laughs> well, I did say it. I've been to my share of weird psychologists, but. Um, one of the things I've made a decision to as a professional is I, I, I'm going to be honest with people. I'm going to be authentic with people. And, and I really talk about some of the really difficult things to think back on that I did to my sons. And, uh, you know, it was hard writing the book with Austin. And he would bring me chapter two, what um, some memories he had of me. And I'm thinking, oh, crap. Do we really have to put this in the book? And, we talked about I love it. that the way you had that interface with the the son and the father and the and the guy that turned it around and the, the father that helped him turn it around it's just a wonderful uh, communication I think in the book and what I I saw well, thank you and and uh we're just hoping our goal is we want to help change the lives because too many times these parents are so tired and and they simply give up on their sons or daughters yeah. Um, but if you apply the principles, it, it works for both uh, men and women, uh, young men and women. We only uh, do uh, consulting with uh, moms and dads of sons because that's our area of expertise. Yeah. But uh, these heart-level connection solutions uh, certainly work with girls as well. Yeah. And, you know, even if – as I was writing this book, you can't write one that fits everything. But I wrote it from the standpoint of – how can I put parents in the best possible position so that when they're looking back on their lives, they can go, I did everything I could to help my kid? Yeah, well, where's the best place to go to uh, preview and purchase your book? Do you have a website also that uh, we can find out more about you and uh, your consulting services and uh, that transformation project? Where should yeah. that? Yes. Um, pe- people need to go to Life Doctor, L-I-F, Doctor, one word, dot com. And that's spelled out, isn't it? Yeah. D-O-C-T-O-R. Yeah. I guess I can spell. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. why. <laughs> um, lifedoctor.com. 
and uh, would love you can download uh, information about the transformation project there and, and sign up. And uh, you know, I invite parents who are interested in doing some consulting to call me first and let's let's talk about it. Uh, this is this is about changing the world. And I, I tell you, Roy, uh, I, I see the news, and it doesn't matter what channel you look at. It's a scary time, and yeah, if, sure if we're going to affect our future, I think it's got to be our parents who do it. Yeah. Well, in conclusion, however discouraged you are with your adult or near adult son or daughter today, this book will give you a hope plus a detailed step-by-step formula to restore your parenting offspring relationship and launch your adult son and daughter in a positive direction. And thank you so much, Dr. Kevin Paul, for joining us today. And may you have continuing uh, success with your book and your Transformation Project uh, customized consulting services. And I know you offer a number of different options for that. Uh, So I certainly invite listeners to uh, visit your website. And once again, what's that website? It's lifedoctor.com, right? Correct. And uh, I invite visitors also to visit my website, middleagerenewal.com. And while there, you can uh, go on a remarkable journey of discovery from where you are today to precisely where you want to be in five years or whatever for a joyful, highly productive second half of life, and you'll enjoy the journey. And my book is A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards, and my website is middleagerenewal.com. And uh, thank you so much, uh, Dr. Kevin Fall. Uh, you've certainly given us uh, food for thought, and uh, it's whatever, however we might be depressed with what our son or daughter has grown into. Uh, don't give up, because we love that person, and uh, there is a possibility of turning things around, but uh, we have to go about it the right way. Uh, thank you so much, Roy. I really appreciate the opportunity. And that's it for now. Join us next week when we'll talk about a good night's sleep and looking and feeling seven years younger. And now goodbye and go out and enjoy spring in the Northern Hemisphere. Bye for now. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal training system by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com. 